The sermon, preached at St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, a member of the Wells, on March 22, 2015, based on Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 through 9. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God, through which the Holy Spirit draws us to Jesus, is the second lesson, Hebrews 5. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered and once made perfect. He became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints, washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. Some people pursue the perfect cup of coffee or the perfect sandwich. Others look for the perfect dress for prom or some other special occasion. Some dream of the perfect house that they would like to live in someday, and still others may imagine that perfect day out on the lake or hunting in the woods. And yet, that cup of coffee or sandwich doesn't always taste as good as it first did. After prom, the dress just hangs in the closet. Every house has its problems. And even the memory of a perfect day is like a touched-up, doctored photograph. We have to settle for less than perfect. But dear friends, when it comes to our eternal salvation, we need the perfect Savior. Nothing less will do. Jesus. And only Jesus is that perfect Savior. And yet, how we fail to comprehend and fully appreciate what that all entails. So often when we hear that Jesus is perfect, our, our line or our pattern of thinking goes something like this. Yes, Jesus is perfect because he never sinned. And he never sinned because he is God and God cannot sin. And that is all true, and yet our fallen minds spin that pattern of thought, spin those truths in such a way as to make it sound as if this wasn't all that hard for Jesus. Oh, he was God, so it must have been not all that difficult for him to save us, right? He was God, he can do anything. That's the implied conclusion that our fallen minds draw there. And yet, as long as that kind of thinking, as long as those sentiments linger in our hearts, even if we're not fully aware of it, those sentiments hamper our faith, numbing it. And so today, dear friends, let's get a clearer understanding of what it means that Jesus is the perfect Savior. First, Go with him to Gethsemane. 
In the painting on the wall there, you have Jesus pictured in Gethsemane. And no doubt that painting looks a lot like what we grew up with seeing in our Sunday school lessons. Notice how peaceful and contemplative he looks. Such serenity. And yet, is that the way the Holy Spirit describes Gethsemane in the Gospels? In Gethsemane, Jesus said to Peter, James, and John, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Think of a time that you felt overwhelmed. Your world was crashing down around you. The foundations beneath your feet you felt so firm were now shaking, even crumbling. You didn't know how you were going to make it through the next hours. Jesus knows what you were going through. For he has been through it himself. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow, even to the point of death. And he prayed. He prayed to his heavenly Father for strength. My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Yes, those were not a mumbled, our Father who art in heaven, as so often comes out of our mouths. But it was like as the text here describes it. He offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. So great his sorrow, wrenching his soul, bursting from his lips. My Father, if it is possible, May this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And as I said before, since we know that Jesus is true God, it's so easy for us to imagine that this was easy for him, that, that this work was, was effortless even. He's God. He can do anything. And so we get those serene pictures of Gethsemane, and this plays right into the attitude of our sinful nature. You know, if Jesus had an easy job of saving us, then we don't feel quite so in debt to him, do we? And our sinful pride likes that. But such a Jesus, such a Jesus could not be our Savior. Such a Jesus would not be the perfect Savior, the Savior that we need. For you see, dear friends, we need a Savior who shared our sorrows and carried our burdens. We need a Savior who suffered in our place, not with just a show of agony, but with real anguish and suffering. We need a Savior who became sin for us, who felt the full fury of God's wrath in our place, who endured God's curse instead of us. That's the Savior we need. And that, dear friends, was what is in that cup. Think of how we turn up our noses if we have to drink some vile medicine, even though we know it's for our good. How much more vile that cup filled with all the wickedness and sins of this world, filled with God's righteous anger against every last 
one of them. No wonder every fiber of Jesus' humanity recoiled in disgust at the thought of drinking such a cup. For unlike medicine, this wasn't going to bring him healing, but rather bring him God-forsakenness and death. His holiness did not make it easy for him to drink of it. Anything, his holiness made that cup feel all the more vile and repulsive because it was the exact opposite of what he was. It was diametrically opposed to everything that Jesus stood for. Even the very thought of drinking it sapped his strength. And so, with fervent cries and tears, he prays and pleads all the more, Father, my Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken from me unless I drink it, your will be done. So fervent was this struggle that his sweat came like drops of blood. The emotional, spiritual, internal flood that overwhelmed his soul, exhausted his body. How was he going to make it through what was yet to come? But an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him there in Gethsemane. And having unbared his soul to his heavenly father, he is now ready ready to go and meet his betrayer, ready to drink the cup, to drink it down to the very last dregs. And here again, don't imagine that, okay, now from this point on it was easy for him. No, dear friends, it was still impossibly difficult. Just remember what was in that cup all of our sins, all of our wickedness. And not just yours and mine, but all the sin and wickedness of this world, all of God's wrath and anger in that cup. It was still impossibly difficult. And how far beyond our comprehension the suffering that Jesus endured. But he drank it. He drank it all for you, dear sinner, and for me. He drank it down to the very last dregs. He did it, for he went through the suffering to be our perfect Savior. Yes, dear friends, he did it. He went through it all. And that is what it means, that he is our perfect Savior. Maybe you scratched your heads a little bit when you heard in the text here that he was made the perfect Savior. Wasn't he perfect already? That's what would naturally, or at least that came to my mind. Why, why does it say he was made perfect? Wasn't he perfect already? And, and here we have to be careful that our minds don't play a word game on us. Jesus always was and always will be morally perfect, that is, sinless and holy. But there's another thought in that word perfect. 
It is the thought that something is complete. Nothing is missing. Everything that is necessary is there. It's a finished job, an accomplished mission, a completed work. For example, think of Genesis chapter 1 and 2. On the sixth day, after God created Adam, had God made any mistakes? Had God done something wrong? No, of course not. But in a way, you could say creation wasn't yet perfect. In fact, God himself said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Not good, not in the sense that God had made something wrong, but in the sense that it wasn't done yet, it wasn't finished. Something, or more precisely, someone was missing. And so at the end of the sixth day, after God had created Eve and brought them together in marriage, then God could say everything was not just good, but very good. And he rested on the seventh day because his work of creation was finished. He had completed it. It was perfect. And so, dear friends, dear Christian friends, without suffering, Jesus is not the complete Savior. And in that sense, the suffering made that work of salvation complete so that Jesus is our perfect Savior. And that's the Savior that we need. And so Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death, even to death on the cross. He willingly drank that cup. As vile and revolting as that cup, he willingly drank it because that was the Father's will. That was the answer to Jesus' prayer there in Gethsemane. He prayed that God's will be done, even if that meant drinking that cup, even if that meant the suffering of the cross. He prayed that God's will be done, and the Father answered that prayer. And so through suffering... Jesus became the perfect Savior we so desperately need. He willingly obeyed without complaint. He paid in full the debt of our sin. He completed the work of salvation. He accomplished the mission the Father had sent him to do, and on the cross he declared, It is finished. He had achieved salvation for us. He is our perfect Savior. Nothing is left undone. The job is finished, completed. And so Jesus, and Jesus alone is the source, the fountain, the, the, the spring from which salvation flows to sinners like you and me. Jesus is the source, the foundation, the fundamental cause on which our salvation stands, for he and he alone is the perfect Savior who completed our salvation by his suffering in our place. It is finished. Everything has been done by Jesus, the perfect Savior. So, dear friends, why, why would we not listen to him and place his words above ourselves? Why would we not obey his call to believe that he and he alone is our perfect Savior who has completed salvation for us by his suffering in our place? Why would we not take up our cross and follow him? For he is our perfect Savior.
Yes, people will pursue many different things, following after them, looking for something a little bit better than they already have. But you and I, dear Christian friends, we pursue, we follow the perfect Savior. Call on him in prayer, for he knows what it means to pray with groans and sighs and follow him no matter what the cross. For he has carried the greatest cross of all, the only cross that saves. He is the perfect Savior. Or as the text here says, through his suffering he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, who follow him in faith. He is your perfect Savior. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all, self, all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.